Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome back to another episode of Let's Ride. I'm your host, Jeff Hartman, co-editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com with you for another morning, Wednesday morning episode of Let's Ride. And this is a weird week. It's a very weird week. Normally, my Let's Ride on Monday is the day after you get to really dive in after you've slept on the game and you wake up and like, okay, what exactly went right? What went wrong? I didn't get the opportunity to do that this week. Yeah, I did the post game show. I hope you go back and listen to that podcast, by the way. I did that with Brian Anthony Davis and Dave Schofield. But that was the the art the Let's Ride podcast, technically of what it's supposed to be on a Monday. But that was essentially the live mic yesterday with Michael Beck. I hope you check that out. It was a really good podcast where he talked about his thoughts on the game that was. And so here we are Wednesday. Weird week again. Mike Tomlin spoke on Tuesday. He gave a lot of information, everything from injuries to a breakdown on the upcoming team, what he thought went well, what he thought didn't go well, and slowly turning the page. Wednesday is always like the turning the page moment for me, where you kind of start to leave last week behind and you start to look ahead to the next opponent. So that means that the 26-16 win over the New York Giants on Monday Night Football slowly becomes a thing of the past, and we start to look ahead to Week 2, the Denver Broncos 0-1 coming off a Monday night loss to the Tennessee Titans come to Heinz Field. And I was like, man, this is crazy. This is a weird show. Not sure how to handle this. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to spend the first segment talking about the game that was, the second segment turning the page, talking about the game that's coming up. I felt, and this is something I'm going to going to do um, on most of my Monday Let's Rides when the game is on a Sunday, and that is, I'm going to break down an article that I run for BehindTheSteelCurtain.com every single day after the game, and that would be my winners and losers column. I have actually had people say to me, both in comment on the website and in email form, Jeff, I think it's a little harsh that you're calling players losers. I, this is true. I'm not making it up. This is true. And if you talk to Dave Schofield, you talk to Brian Anthony Davis, you talk to anyone that's been doing this for a long enough time, and you will hear some of the craziest stories about fans, whether it's a Facebook message or whether it's an email or whatever the case may be. I think Brian Anthony Davis's life was threatened one time because he wrote an article about Michael Vick being signed by the Steelers. I am not exaggerating. Some people take this stuff serious, but they said, Jeff, I, I think it's a little harsh that you're labeling some players winners and some players losers. I don't want to get too far out of the realm of the Pittsburgh Steelers, but you know what? Sometimes players play bad and sometimes players get called out. Anyone play football before anyone play any high school sport where it was taken serious and you watched film. I know as a coach, I used to chew out my players. I got called out when I was a player. Yeah, it's part of the game. It's part of the game. Athletes know that sometimes they have a losing performance, losing performance. Therefore, I put them in the loser category. If it's too harsh for you, then you can shield your ears for the next 15 minutes, and then you can listen up as I break down week two. But in the meantime, no, I'm not changing the headline of this article. I've been writing this article for years. It is one of our most sought after articles, one of our most commented on articles post game. 
And so, no, I'm not going to change it. And so what I did is I found eight winners and three losers after the Steelers' Monday night win against the New York Giants. You might be wondering, how do I differentiate the two? Some of the winners I will write down as the game is going on. Sometimes it'll be in an article. Sometimes it'll be a pen and paper. And I will literally be watching the game and say, boy, this player is really jumping off the screen. And so I'm going to write their name down. Winner. And barring something crazy happening, they stay in the winner column. Other times you see players that are really falling off and you're just wondering what in the world is going on. Like this does not look right. This is not normal. It's a horrible performance all around. Think Ben Roethlisberger in 2017 and week five against the Jacksonville Jaguars where he threw five interceptions. That's a loser performance, just to give you an example. So I had eight winners in this game on Monday Night Football and three losers for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I don't talk about the other team in this article. I talk about the Steelers. That's it. Like I'm not going to talk about... Saquon Barkley, or I'm not going to talk about whomever you want, Jabril Peppers. Uh, It's the first defender that came to my mind. All Steelers. So we're going to start with the winners. We're going to start with the winners. I'm going to go through. I'm going to kind of tell you who, if you read the article, you already know, but you might not hear me explain it different than I did in the written word. I start off the top with the winners, none other than Bud Dupree. I don't think Bud Dupree is getting as much credit for his run-stopping ability. Bud Dupree had 11 and a half sacks last year. No one's taking that away from him, but the most impressive part of his game to me was his ability to play the line of scrimmage better, to set the edge better, and to really come down the line and stop the run better. Bud Dupree, while he only had four tackles, three of them were solo, two of those were tackles for losses, he ended up having a pass defense, and he also had a quarterback hit. It was Bud Dupree's pressure on Daniel Jones that caused the interception by Cam Hayward. Bud Dupree was wreaking havoc in the backfield the entire game. I said it in the post game. I'll say it again in the Let's Ride podcast for Wednesday morning. I cannot remember for the life of me, and I've been watching football for a long time, probably not as long as a lot of you listening to this podcast, but I've been watching long enough to say that I cannot remember a time in the National Football League, when four quarters of football were played and there was not one holding call called the entire game. And that happened Monday night. Not against Pittsburgh, not against New York, does not matter. Not one holding call. Think about that, folks. That is insane. And Bud Dupree, he was getting held like crazy when they decided to block him because sometimes they literally forgot to block him. Bud Dupree is definitely a winner. The next winner won Benny Snell Jr., Benny Snell football. Benny Snell has quietly, I don't even know if you want to say rebranded himself. He came in last year. If you remember, he was kind of that brash rookie talking to talking about himself in the third person. Yeah, that's Benny Snell football. You know, Snell, yeah, all this stuff. Kind of like, wait, what is this coming from? I mean, even the most egotistical Steelers of the last decade, you're talking Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell, they never came in that way. They didn't come into the, come in the front door talking about themselves in third person. Sure, Antonio Brown went off the deep end. He started talk, calling himself Ronald Ocean and Mr. Big Chest and Lord, Lord knows what else. 
But that wasn't until he went from Antonio Brown to AB. Benny Snell came in the door acting really, really odd and didn't play much. But now all of a sudden in his second year, well, you don't hear that anymore. You don't hear from Benny Snell that much at all. Not on social media. You're not hearing about him in interviews. He's very soft-spoken. It almost seems as if someone, whether it's Mike Tomlin, whether it's Kevin Colbert, whether it's Art Rooney II, or whether it's his agent and his representation, said, hey, Benny, we want to tone it down a little bit. Like, let's save the third-person talk. Let's save the Benny Snell football moniker. Let's save that Snell, yeah, Snell, you later. I don't even know what it is. Let's save that for when you've actually done something in the league. Well, he did something on Monday night. 19 carries, 113 yards. He didn't hit pay dirt. 5.9 yards per carry, 30 yard long. It was a great game. He did have the bad fumble. I know, not good. He's going to learn from it, or at least I hope he does. But where did this Benny Snell come from? You know, Dave Schofield in the postgame podcast said it reminded him of week 17. I said, I, I see what you're saying, but I don't agree. Benny Snell in week 17 in MT Bank Stadium last year against the Baltimore Ravens in the rain, he ran well. He did not have this burst. He did not have this lateral agility. He, he, he looks lighter. He looks faster. He looks explosive. And he still has the power. You know, everyone said he's a bruiser. He's a bruiser. He's a guy that's not going to run out of bounds. He's going to lower his head. He's going he's gonna to knock you on your rear end. Well, he kept all that, but added speed. Boy, I tell you what, I'm not saying that they're going to just hand over the bell cow moniker to Snell, but there's a good chance that he's going to earn that before too long. Just Benny Snell, winning performance, absolutely. He's in the winner's list. TJ Watt. Now, if you look at the stat line of TJ Watt, he's another winner. You're thinking, how in the world are you going to have TJ Watt as a winner? He had one tackle. It was a solo tackle. He had one tackle for loss, two quarterback hits, but he had two pass defenses and he had an interception. So TJ Watt, and let me, if you go back and watch the game, he was double teamed almost every single play. And he was still in the backfield all the time. He was always around Daniel Jones. It was Watt that caused that incomplete pass early in the first quarter. Uh, could have been possibly ruled a fumble, but did not. They called it an incomplete pass. No one, the Steelers weren't going to challenge that. And he was just wreaking havoc out there. That's the TJ Watt that everyone kind of it has come to know. Now, he didn't get home. He didn't get a sack, but he did create a turnover. And that was a very important play because that was a, that was a, that was a part of the, play, the game where it was in limbo. Not sure what was going to happen. Steelers offense will still kind of get the getting their footing. And next thing you know, first play from scrimmage on their next drive, Daniel Jones throws it right into TJ Watts hands and he's not dropping it. He's an athlete. He's an athlete, former tight end brings it down. Great play. Tremendous play. A quick sidebar. When was the last time the Steelers had two interceptions in a game and both were by players who reside on the front seven an outside linebacker and a defensive lineman. I don't know when. Maybe that's a uh, Dave Schofield research question for the preview on Thursday night. I don't know, but that's crazy. But TJ Watt, considering the amount of pressure or amount, the amount of attention he got, we'll put it that way, the amount of attention he got and the way that he still performed, with defense, sometimes what you do isn't always show up on the stat line. He was disruptive. He's a winner. 
Vince Williams finds his way in the winner's column. Listen to this. Five tackles, four solo. Did have a sack. Boy, what a jarring hit on Daniel Jones. Was a That was a tempo changer for me. You know, that was one where that's going to get guys juiced up, if you know what I mean. And that sack was big. He has three tackles for losses and another quarterback hit. And last season, everyone attributes Minka Fitzpatrick's trade to Pittsburgh as the primary stimulus that got the defense playing better. And I'm not disagreeing with that. Minka Fitzpatrick is a phenomenal player. But let's not also forget that Vince Williams was coming back into the lineup about the same time. He is an emotional leader. He is a player that plays with heart. He is a player that is a downhill thumper. Does he have his issues? Sure. He's not great in coverage. But if you want someone to blitz the quarterback, plug the holes, be a pretty short tackler, Vince Williams is your guy. And the way that he played on Monday night is definitely a winning performance. And I think he's really reinventing himself alongside Devin Bush. He did it already once when he was with Ryan Chazier, and he seems to be doing it again with Devin Bush. Really good to see Vince Williams as a winner after Monday night. Okay, a couple more. Juju Smith-Schuster. Definitely finds his way onto the winner's list. Six receptions, 69 yards. Two of those were for touchdowns on six targets. He didn't drop a pass that was thrown his way, but maybe the biggest play of, of all for Juju was the fumble recovery. He's following, he's trailing the play. Folks, here is a fourth-year receiver who is in a contract year who is considering himself and many others would consider him to be a number one wide receiver in the National Football League. The play is essentially over for him, but he trails the play. He hustles after it. Benny Snell coughs it up, and in a sea of blue, maybe four or five defenders, Juju Smith-Schuster comes away with the ball. That's the type of heads-up play, and that's the type of heart play that the Pittsburgh Steelers usually hang their hat on. And I think this is going to be the case with this 2020 team. Juju Smith-Schuster looked like the Juju Smith-Schuster of 2017, 2018, Let's see if he can continue on this current trend. I got to put Big Ben, Ben Roethlisberger in the winner's column. Why? 21 of 32, 229 yards, 7.3 average, three touchdowns, no interceptions, a 117.8 rating. They ran the ball 30 times and threw a 32. That's about as close to his balance as you can get. This was not pass-happy Ben Roethlisberger. This was balanced Ben Roethlisberger. If I would have talked to anyone that's listening to this prior to the game and said, hey, if Ben goes out and goes 21 for 32, 229, three touchdowns, no picks, 117 rating. You're going to be happy with that for the first game back in almost a a calendar year? I guarantee you 99.99999% of you listening would have said, I'll take that in a heartbeat. And that's what Ben did. He, uh, I said it on this podcast multiple times. It wasn't going to be pretty the entire time. Ben Roethlisberger is going to take time to get reacclimated, and you definitely saw he had happy feet in the pocket, kind of seeing ghosts out there, but he settled in. It was at the end of the first half when he was able to run that no-huddle offense that he's so comfortable with, and then the second half, you saw Ben kind of calming down. I think that this, he he would never admit this. I think it took an entire game for him to calm down. I, you know, People say, oh, after a few drives, he'll be fine. I think it took an entire game. I think next the next time you see him, at Heinz Field, week two against the Denver Broncos, it'll be a different story. But I think he was nervous for the vast majority of that game. 
rightfully so. I get it. He got into a groove. Let's see if he can pick it up in week two. Next, James Washington. Again, another player like Watt. Because you look at the stat line, you're thinking two receptions, 34 yards, one touchdown. He had three targets. Why is he on the winner list? Well, I, I said this in the article. When you see players like Heinz Ward that play for the black and gold, that retire, and they're Super Bowl champions, two-time Super Bowl champ Heinz Ward, Super Bowl MVP Heinz Ward, you know all about toughness and grit. But I'll tell you what, that touchdown reception that James Washington had might have been one of the toughest touchdown receptions I've seen in a long time. Not the toughest reception I've ever seen, but one of the toughest I've seen in a long time. And that says a lot. Because like I said, I, I grew up watching Heinz Ward play. And he was, in my opinion, as tough as they come. Tough as nails. The fact that he kept his feet, was able to go through two defenders to still break the plane. Tremendous effort. If he only could have come down with that third reception, it was a great, great defensive play. Not taking anything away from James Washington or the defender. It was a good throw. It was a Looked like he was going to bring it down, but a better play by the defensive back to knock the ball away at the last second. James Washington looks like he's going to find his niche with the team, but more importantly with Ben Roethlisberger. I've said this a lot leading up to this particular game, this particular season, is that for some reason, in my opinion, Ben Roethlisberger and James Washington have never seemed to gel, and I don't know why. It seemed, you know, obviously he has the connection with Mason Rudolph going back to Oklahoma State, but still, it was always a disconnect with Ben. Not anymore. I think they're going to start finding their groove. That's good to see. Last winner, the rush defense, the stat line. My gosh, all I have to say is Saquon Barkley, 15 rushes, 6 yards, a .4 yard average. That is some early 2000s defense stuff (laughs) right there. That's your Casey Hampton, James Ferrier, Aaron Smith, Brett Kiesel, Larry Foote. That's that type of stuff right there. You hold an elite back like that to 15 rushes for six yards? Are you serious? Like I said about Ben's stat line, if I would have told anyone listening to this show, did you know, what do you think if I came back from the future and said Saquon Barkley would have 15 rushes for six yards on Monday Night Football? You you would never believe me. You would say, you're nuts. The Steelers struggled against the run last year. Well, they didn't struggle on Monday night. Kudos to that unit. They're going to have another tough test in week two. We'll talk about that in a second. But let's get through these losers quickly. I don't like to spend a lot of time on the losers when the Steelers bring home a victory. But you know what? This was a tough player to to put on the loser list because I felt like he could have been on both lists. His first half was god-awful. But his second half, he turned it around. That would be none other than Deontay Johnson. He had the fumble lost on the, the first punt of the season, and he looked awfully uncomfortable back there after that. Ben Roethlisberger was thrown in passes. He wasn't looking that direction. They were on the wrong page. Like I said, he did turn it around the second half, but still. I guess maybe my expectations might have been a little too high, but I don't think expecting your punt returner to not fumble is having too high of expectations. I think that Deontay Johnson is going to be fine. I'm not suggesting his career is over or that he's not going to live up to the hype. I think this was just a, there was no preseason. There's a lot of nerves, a lot of jitters, primetime stage, week one, still a young guy. It got to him. He's on the loser list. I don't think he'll be there too much this year because he did turn it around and had a pretty good game receiving. He was the second leading receiver for the Steelers on Monday night. Chris Boswell finds his way onto the loser list. And again, I know he has a new holder. Dustin Colquitt is obviously holding for him now. Jordan Berry's long gone. Thank you, Lord. 
But at the same time, you can't miss extra points, in my opinion. I know that a lot of kickers do, but that doesn't mean that it's okay. So he clanged one off the upright. And so after that happens, instead of going up 17-10, now you're only up 16-10 and you're chasing points the rest of the game. It completely changes the dynamic. But it's almost excusable. He went three for three from field goals, but then he kicks the ball out of bounds on the kickoff. And you're giving, I don't care who's a quarterback. I don't care what the offense is. You give them the ball at the 40-yard line and they're going to be in prime position to put points on the board. And they just can't, you cannot do that. Mike Tomlin said it in his press conference, and I'll say it here. It's just not good enough. They expect better. Chris Boswell, I'm sure, will be fine. But in this case, I put him on the loser list because some of those plays you just have to make. And then lastly, this is not one specific player. Every now and then I'll do this. I'll kind of get away from just one specific player and talk about a unit or a specific aspect of the game. I did this on the uh, with a rush defense in the winners. The opening script for the Steelers has just been awful for as long as I can remember, or at least as long as Randy Feetner has been calling the plays. Randy Feetner started in 2018, and even in 2018, I can only think of a handful of circumstances where the Steelers' offense came out and actually looked Red hot right out of the gate. Whether they got the ball first or they had a, the defense was on the field first does not matter. That first possession has been awful. It's been atrocious. And so the opening script, which is something that the coaches and players all agree to, they all say, we're comfortable with this. Let's run these 10 plays or however many plays they actually put on their script. I just have never seen a group be so poor with that script. But that's exactly what is going on with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Let's hope it changes. Maybe this script was a little vanilla, a little mundane, because Roethlisberger was having some uncertainty. Maybe. But when the rubber meets the road, it's got to be better. It has to be better, and so that's why they find themselves on the loser list. So with that said, there's your winners and losers from Monday Night Football. When we come back after the break, we're going to talk a little bit about the upcoming opponent week two, the Denver Broncos and Drew Locke come to town. Stick around. We'll be right back. All right, Pittsburgh Steelers fans, Jeff Hartman here, your host and co-editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. Another Let's Ride episode this Wednesday. We're starting to turn the page now, and there it goes. Flipped it over on to the Broncos. The Denver Broncos played on Monday night. This is one of the first times in a while that I can remember like the Steelers playing on a short week and their opponent also being on a short week. Uh, the Broncos will have to travel to Pittsburgh, but they played at home on Monday night. The Steelers had to travel to New York. And they'll play at home on Sunday. It's a 1 p.m. Eastern time kickoff. It's going to be back to normal. But both teams have a short week. Now, you think the Steelers' injuries are bad? Because let's be honest, the Steelers have lost Zach Banner for the season with an ACL tear, uh, James Conner with an ankle sprain, Stefan Wisniewski with a pectoral strain or some type of pectoral injury. Conner and Wisniewski, Tomlin said in his report on Tuesday that he thinks that they are favorable reports for both of those players to possibly still be able to play. And he's also hopeful that David DeCastro will be able to work 
tomorrow, Wednesday. That was what he said on Tuesday. But you think that's bad? Holy cow, the Broncos are just riddled with injuries, whether it's Vaughn Miller, he's not going to be playing. He might be done for the year. A.J. Bouye, the, the cornerback, he separated his shoulder, might have damaged his labrum. He could be out for months. You have uh, Lindsey, the running back. He has turf toe. He's not even – I don't think he's going to be playing. They, they Those are three big-name players, not to mention Bradley Chubb, the other pass rusher that normally is opposite Von Miller. He's coming off an ACL tear from last year, and the Broncos have said they're going to want to take it easy with him as he gets reacclimated to the game, so there's no guarantee that he's going to be your every-down linebacker either. This Broncos team is dealing with just as many, if not more, injuries than the Steelers. Good news, sure. I don't never root for anyone to get hurt unless they play for Baltimore. I'm just joking. Maybe. No, I'm just joking. So, but still, I mean, you don't want to wish injury on anyone, but at the same time, they're dealing with adversity just like the Steelers are. So that's not an excuse for either team. And, you know, Mike Tomlin spoke a lot about the defense. He spoke a lot about the versatility they have, but he spent a lot of time on the offense talking about Drew Locke and his mobility, his accuracy, his arm strength. I mean, my gosh, this guy's like Dan, John Elway or Dan Marino 2.0. I don't know if I'm going to go that far, but you know how Mike Tomlin gets in his press conferences. He talked about the quality weapons they have. Noah Font, uh, the wide receiver, Judy, the rookie, Melvin Gordon. And people forget Melvin Gordon's on this team. I mentioned Philip Lindsay is injured, but Mike Tomlin made it a point to say it's good to be back at Heinz Field. And rightfully so, because they have spent so much time there. They have spent so much time at Heinz Field with training camp, this weird training camp in 2020. It's going to feel very normal for these Steelers to be back there. These rookies that have no experience playing in a game, they're at least going to say, I'm used to the surroundings. There's not going to be fans in Pittsburgh in the month of September. Well, guess what? They're used to empty stands practicing every single day. Now, yeah, there's going to be more pressure. There's going to be officials. There's going to be another opponent. All those basic, tangible things we get. But at the same time, the Steelers. And the Steelers, man, when you think about it, you think about what they did. This kind of brings me to my next point, which also happens to be the headline of this podcast, is if Monday was good, Sunday could be twice as nice. I know that there's injuries on the offensive line. Fingers crossed David DeCastro comes back and is able to play this week, in which case all you're doing is plugging Chuksakor for a tackle, and you got DeCastro there, and you still have Dotson as a backup, and if Wisniewski's healthy, he can be a backup as well. You'll have to call up another tackle. They might be interested in Gerald Hawkins, bringing him back. He's on the Texans practice squad. He was drafted in the fourth round at LSU by the Steelers a few years ago. But still, you pretty much are intact. Think about the fact that this offense, just let's just talk about the offense, that this offense spread the football around so well, they didn't even involve the tight ends that much. I think Vance McDonald and Eric Ebron both just had one catch. Think about when they start to actually get everyone involved. I mean, you saw Chase Claypool have a nice catch down the sideline. He had another big conversion run. You saw James Washington contribute, talked about him in the first segment, Juju Smith-Schuster, Deontay Johnson. They're all contributing in some way, shape, or form. Just imagine when this offense gets to the point where those motions are a lot smoother, where the tight ends, especially Ebron, start getting involved. This offense can be even more dynamic. And I wouldn't say anyway that the offense we saw on Monday was dynamic. 
If anything, it was very blah. Been in, I would expect that. And Mike Tomlin spoke about that on Tuesday. How say he said that the unknown variables with the Giants forced them to kind of play on their heels for a long, a lot of the the game. Whether it was defensively when they came out in the no huddle hurry up, or whether it was offensively for the Steelers when they weren't sure what the Giants were going to want to do. It's different now with this opponent. They have some tape on Drew Locke that goes back to 2019. They have tape on Fangio and what he likes to do as a coach. They know Mike Munchak over there. So there's some familiarity there that should change a lot of things. But even defensively, you want to talk about while Sunday could be twice as nice. Think about defensively the fact that the Steelers, they didn't even get home. I think they ended the game with three sacks. They could have had seven against Daniel Jones. They were all around him. And you know you could tell that they were selling out to stop Saquon Barkley. Minka Fitzpatrick, his name wasn't even really called much. I think he ended up with two tackles. Just wait till all these players start to kind of get comfortable again. When that happens, Devin Bush, he's a playmaker. TJ Watt, playmaker. Cam Hayward, might not look like a receiver catching a ball, but he's a playmaker. Minka, playmaker. These are the these are the things about the Steelers that people you know, people are all about the defense right now. Just all about them. That's all they're doing. This defense, man, this is the best defense since early 2000s. I'd agree. I'd agree, but they can be even better. They're so fast. Holy cow, that closing speed. And you saw it. If you were watching like I do, you saw it clear as day. They would get the ball. I mean, whoever was getting the ball in the backfield, over the middle, they were closing on that ball carrier. Wow. So quick. So fun to watch. And it's only going to get better. So think of it that way. Something to look forward to. Don't think that this is the best you're going to see of the Steelers. My goodness. No way. Heck no. They still have a lot to prove. Trust me. I guarantee you when you hear Ben talk this week, uh, or he'll talk on Wednesday. When you hear guys like Cam Hayward speak, they're all going to say the same thing. TJ Watt, we have to be better. We have to be better. We gave up 16 points to that, that offense. I don't think so. We've got to be better. And so that's a good spot for the Steelers to be in to know that they can do better. And hopefully they will be better on Sunday when the Broncos come into town. Now on Friday, we're going to break this thing down every which way and sideways. And I'm going to give you my picks again. Now I don't want to talk about my picks last week. They were awful. I did get the Steelers pick, right? Got that one, right? They covered, they covered and they won, but man, the others were bad. So we're still going to do it, though. Don't think that I'm just going to quit. No, I'm no quitter. We're still going to give you picks on Friday. We're going to talk about that upcoming game. I hope you all have digested that Giants win because it's so nice to start 1-0. And it's so nice just to have football back, isn't it? It's just so nice for the NFL to be back and playing meaningful games. It was weird with no preseason and no no real traditional training camps and no OTAs and mini camps. They're back. They're back, fist pump, air fist pump, wherever you are on the treadmill, in the car, pump your fist, play Renegade, blare it. That's right, baby. The Steelers will want to know. Be proud of it. Rock those colors proudly and make sure you'll be just checking us out on BehindTheSteelCurtain.com and on our podcast platforms, wherever you listen, Spotify, Anchor, Google Play, you name it. Subscribe, follow, because you don't want to miss a thing. I'm Jeff Hartman, co-editor of said website. 
I'll see you back here on Friday, but make sure you check out my injury report starting this afternoon on Wednesday. Oh, it's going to be a good one. Hope you're ready. In the meantime, be safe, be kind. God bless.